Can establishing regular primary care with a trusted medical provider help prevent future disease? Is there a way to catch harmful health issues before they become dire or even deadly? Stay tuned as we answer these questions and more on this episode of The One in Five. Hey y'all, welcome to the one in five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have Dr. Oren Hansen with us again, and we're going to be talking about preventive services. Welcome back, Dr. Hansen. Hey, it's awesome to be here with you as always. Thanks for having me back, sir. Oh man, my pleasure. Thank you for coming in again. Um, so, so we got this uh, thing we're going to be talking about today. So let me just start with this question. Um, when I was initially thinking about doing this podcast and had been reaching out to you, I went to do some research, right? And I, I Googled preventative services and Google corrected my preventative to preventive. <laughs> Let's start the confusion already, right? Okay, so so are those synonymous or which one is it? Is it one over the other, uh, Dr. Hansen? When it comes to this, I th- kind of always say it depends on what shul you went to. Oh, nice. Um, because what may be happening is that preventive and preventative are synonymous in the yep. same thing. But what I would be careful is not including preventative into that because I'm not sure that that's a, synony- a synonym. synonym. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure that that's a word. But, um, but another synonym for preventative care and preventive care would be primary care. And that's how I kind of like to look at it too. Okay. Um, and so whether we're calling it preventative care services, preventive care services, or primary care services, it's really all the same in my mind. Okay. And so when you say primary care, uh, primary care services, right? Is that what you said? Or yeah. primary services? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's different than secondary, right? And then tertiary, which we had kind of talked about earlier. Just explain those three real quick. This is some terminology you'll hear sometimes in the hospital. And really what you hear most about is is primary care and, and tertiary care. Um, Secondary care is not really a term that I really often use. And I think the reason being is because I think sometimes it gets confused with primary care. What primary care really should be is is prevention, preventative services, preventive services, whatever you want to call it. This is where... This is where we're trying to keep you healthy. This is where you're already feeling good, and let's r- let's ride that wave of feeling good, so that we don't have to go down the road to secondary or tertiary care. Okay. Tertiary care. When when we say tertiary care, a lot of times doctors and 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 other healthcare providers refer to that as a hospital. When you get sick, when you're not doing well, when you're even secondary care conditions like chronic conditions um, that you've already developed. When they start to cause problems, that's really when you have to go to a tertiary care center um, to receive those services. So ideally, our clinics are are really primary and secondary um, where we're, we're keeping people healthy. And then we're also helping people with chronic conditions manage those conditions um, once they've been established. 
Okay. Yeah. That's a good explanation. Awesome. Thank you awesome. for that. That's very helpful. Um, <clears throat> so then you, you said primary care, preventive, preventative. Those are synonymous. Can you then just delve a little bit deeper into what you do as part of those prevention type services? What do you do as a doctor when a patient comes in and, and you're dealing with that? It, it, I mean, theoretically, it should be a big part of my work. Um, I sometimes wish it were more of a part of my work. And, and what I'm referring to is people coming in and saying, hey, Dr. Hansen, help me out with my primary care. Offer me all primary care services that you have. <laughs> This is why I like talking to you too, because you're like the best patient. You're like you're like prepared. You've you've done your homework. You're ready to ask great questions. Um, and the problem about primary care is that yeah, you feel good already. And so when we live busy lives in a capitalist society where we have to hustle to make it a lot of the time, and yeah. and and things get busy, and with all aspects of life, it's hard to prioritize that right i always tell people if 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 the um if colon cancers the need for or the interest in colon cancer screening or even if blood pressure yeah had if blood pressure was painful we'd have such better control of blood pressure no doubt but that's one that's just an example of one things one of the primary care measures we can screen for um and the reason we screen for things is to look for problems that aren't there. And that's really what primary care, um, preventative care refers to is a lot of these screening methods. Thank you. That's where I was going with the question. Yeah. Screenings, checkups, is that like uh, patient counseling? Are those types of preventive care? Is that what happens in a primary care? All day. Okay. Okay. All day or day. Okay. Um, What are some of the screenings then that you can do? There's a long list, and and I probably won't go through all of them. A lot of people, a lot of things, people really are pretty aware of things like mammograms, really common screening for breast cancer. Okay. Um, things like the colonoscopy, um, screening for colon cancer. These are some things that people have heard of. Cervical cancer screening by doing something like a Pap smear, and the ones that I've listed so far are either a grade A or grade B recommendation by an organization called the United States Preventative Services Task Force. And this, I'm going to refer to it as the USPSTF. Another acronym. Another acronym. But a lot easier to say than United States Preventative Services Task Force. U-S-P-S-T-S. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) T-F. T-F. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. USPSTF, got it. At and, least it rhymes. Yeah, it kind of rolls. Yeah. yeah. Um, what they are is they're an objective source that reviews all of the scientific information that exists about these screening tests. Because just because we want to go looking around for something doesn't mean we're always going to like what we find. Sometimes we cause other problems by looking for other things that we don't know are there. Um, so we want to be really careful with our screening tests, just like we're careful with our medications. Um, and I'm sure people are at one, you know, or, or have asked the question, I know I did, why aren't we all just getting an MRI? Why aren't we all just like lined up to just roll through the MRI? 
problem is, is there's no sc- approved screening test for whole body health by getting an MRI. Okay. We start to find all sorts of little things that were probably never going to cause us problems. That causes would, stress. That would cause us a stress at the very least. Okay. But then at the very most, it might cause procedures or surgeries or surgeries that can kill you or surgeries that can other have other complications. And so we have to be careful that we're, that we're guiding our patients um, in the right way so that they're worried about the right things. They're not worried about the wrong things and we're making good decisions. The USPSTF really helps primary care physicians like myself make those decisions because they periodically review these different things that we like to look for. We talked about prostate cancer last time we visited. I was just going to bring that up. Thank you for doing that. And they used to have a certain recommendation, which was then revised based on literature that later came out and it changed the recommendation. And so not only is it important to not to, to reference the USPSTF, but also to reference their most up-to-date recommendations, Okay, um, which can be easily done at their website. But ultimately, they give things a grade, and anything that's grade A or B really has good support, sh- should really be beneficial to the patient with minimal harms or side effects. Grade C is kind of when you get to these, uh, I don't know if it really is all that helpful, and maybe that's shared, prostate, Maybe right? shared decision-making, exactly. That's the prostate screening, yep. which we talked about. Exactly. Okay. There's some that are kind of like that, but it's because there's not enough information. They call that indeterminate, Okay. where they say, uh, you know, a lot of times kids' recommendations are in that because they haven't studied kids because of the ethics around studying kids. Okay. And so there might not be enough information, so a lot of their recommendations might be inconclusive or indeterminate. And then they have a grade D, which means don't do it. Um, nice. So A, B, C, I, and D. That, that's essentially what, if there's more, I'm not, I'm not aware of them. Okay. Th- that's what I pay most attention to. And in our clinic, really the grade A and B recommendations that we're going to be doing um, are things like colon cancer screening, um, breast cancer screening, cervical cancer screening. Um, let me see. L- the lung cancer screening for certain populations of like smokers. Um, we'll be screening certain people for STDs or sexually transmitted infections. Okay. Um, looking at other chronic infectious diseases in pregnant populations. <laughs> A lot of, if, if any of the female listeners have been pregnant and wonder why they had to get, you know, all the blood drawns, uh, uh, blood work at the first visit a lot of that is screening for exposures to you know certain infections and wondering you know that gives us the question gives us the answer if we need to immunize someone um quick question has so has anxiety and depression sort of gone up on this list as well as screenings or is that something you don't screen for or absolutely something we screen for oh good evidence to screen for it too uspstf recommends so thanks for asking um that's incredibly important. So much of all of these other physical, sec- well, since secondary conditions, secondary okay. physical conditions come from, you know, behavioral health. And gotcha. if you don't screen for it and people aren't willing to talk about it, which is common, yep. um, you won't catch it. Okay. So, so some of the big ones, obviously you mentioned mammogram, that's for breast cancer, mm-hmm. uh, the colorectal cancer lungs, some lung stuff in certain populations, anxiety and depression. I would like a, so is an annual checkup 
an example of preventive or preventative care? Yeah, I would say it's, I would say that, it, but it could be also secondary care. Okay. By the definition that I'm using, and again, it's not just it's just not a, a term we really use in medicine. Um, but if you look at primary care and tertiary care, that's kind of how that fits. The annual visit really allows us to do both preventative services and then manage chronic conditions too. If if they're relatively stable, and we're only having to see someone on an annual basis. Um, can when you it, give an example of what one of those chronic conditions could be that could be under control that a patient would only have course. to be seen every yeah. year? Diabetes would could be okay. one of them. A well-controlled diabetes that's been well-controlled on the same medication for, for a certain amount of time or blood pressure or cholesterol. Those are all things okay. that, that are chronic conditions managed with medication that you would want to see someone annually. Okay. Now, when you talk about the annual visit, which is kind of what everyone kind of, I don't know, I'm even going to say, no, I want to say assume is what we have to do. Um, but I think in our society, it's kind of evolved to where if you have a physician that you trust and you rely on, it's it's pretty common to go and see them at least once a year and have like a regular checkup. Okay. Um, I would say in my patient population, it's probably even more common that they come every two to five years. Okay. Um, it really depends on individuals. So when you say an annual checkup, um, that's kind of specific to a group of people too. And for me, that really is more important for the people who have already chronic conditions. And it becomes okay. more important when you start to become eligible for these screening tests. Okay. Um, Cause that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about, so we probably as a healthy person, I probably need to see my doctor at least maybe once a year, depending on what it is. If I, maybe I don't have a chronic condition. This is just where my thought was when I was asking the question. Sorry, I'm trying to give you some context, Dr. Mm -hmm. Hansen. And then as I see my physician once a year, that's probably a good time for these things to take place, for the questions to get asked. How are you feeling? Anything wrong? Anything weird? How old are you? We're looking at your age. We're looking at potentially, oh, you just turned 50. Uh, you might need to get a colonoscopy this year. Those types of things, right? Bingo. Bingo. Okay. So I was on the right track with, with that being preventative in the sense that, but it's I mean, when you're dealing with chronic care, too, it can also be preventative, right? Um, in the sense that the condition's under control and we're, we're doing a checkup to see where you're at and is there anything going wrong or am I off base on that? No, you're right. Uh, it, it maybe doesn't quite... Th that would just be kind of the, the, um, the definition of good chronic care management. I don't think that would necessarily be primary it's done by a primary care physician so in a way you really you go and see your your pcp but nowadays so many people have specialists and 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 other kind of fr fragmented care that yeah. can sometimes confuse it so i got gotcha. you i, I think gotcha. i think all these terms are are somewhat evolutionary as the healthcare system evolves too which has been doing more frequently in the last couple of years than, than we've ever really seen before okay um yeah. So what about like immunizations for kids? I mean, is there a difference for like preventative care for kids? I mean, you mentioned we don't 
ethically, we don't do a lot of research on kids. So the U.S. PSTF doesn't have a lot of recommendations for those kids' preventative services. But is immunizations one of those that is recommended for kids? Or Absolutely. Um, and 100% fits the bill for primary care and prevention. Um, vaccinations were designed to prevent illness. Um, they really, what a vaccine vaccine is, is it's a fake illness. It's a, it's a fake infection to prevent illness so that your body can get acclimated, get acquainted with any potential offenders um, and practice really before it ever sees anything harmful. And when it does see something harmful, it's ready because it's been practicing and it's seen it before. Gotcha. Just like everything that we do in our day-to-day lives. Um, the thing about in terms of recommendations, you don't necessarily have to have a lot of the highest quality type of research to make recommendations that they've made about vaccines. Okay. And the reason being is because you can do other kinds of studies that are more ethically sound. What I'm referring to is the high, highest quality studies are something called a randomized control trial. And sometimes they even do a double-blinded randomized control trial where no one knows what anyone's getting. There's no bias. You've got uh, groups of people who are really the same in, in both comparative you know, groups. And, and it allows you to isolate the one factor that you're studying. And then you can say, okay, I think it was this thing that helped or hurt because we did a double-blinded randomized control trial and everything was under control. But there's other prospective and retrospective cohort study types of things where they just look at really big groups of people over a long period of time and say, hey, if if we have enough people... What that equates to is something called power in a study, and it gives you your study strength. Um, and if you can look at all of the kids in the United States, for instance, that got vaccines compared to the kids who didn't, you can pretty clearly and ethically draw conclusions from those studies that then allow us to give recommendations like recommending a vaccine to be uh, provided. So what kind of vaccines are recommended for children as part of preventive care? <sighs> Honestly, sometimes this is even, I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great question. It's a great question that my nurses, I'll always be able to a- answer a lot more effectively because they're the ones who give me, give the immunizations. Gotcha. And the other thing too, is that a lot of the diseases that we protect against with immunizations are diseases that people don't even know about anymore. They don't like ever heard chicken about. chicken pox. I consider that a disease as people do know about, but you're oh, right. They do. They do. Your kids, my kids, my kids won't didn't know, know nothing about are. it. They won't know what chicken pox. I are. got chicken pox when I was eight. I had it mm-hmm. on my birthday, man. And oh no, word up. Dude. <laughs> so, do you celebrate your birthdays differently now? No, since you're actually, eight? do you, do you I, do like a little put put a little more effort into your birthdays <laughs> now? Since you, <laughs> I do remember though, I was able to watch. Uh, the angel game. I am a baseball fan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I had the chicken pox on my birthday, which was a Sunday. And we normally went to church mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to go to church, which was a real disappointment for me. But as a result, I got to stay home and I got to watch the California angels. Ah, well, that's what they were called back Thanks then. For that. So, but yeah, my kids have no, they don't really have any idea of what well, and chicken if they don't, pox And if they is. don't know what chicken pox are, they weren't going to know what, um, measles or mumps or rubella, rubella are, yeah. I don't or, know what those are or either, polio honestly. or yep. um, 
Haemophilus influenza. Um, And uh, most of these are diseases I've never treated either. Um, You never treated, but you have immunized for and i've prevented them from happening. there we go yeah. okay yes yeah that was that was where i was going with that question yeah. was yeah so so that's interesting anything else i mean is covid the covid vaccine on that list right now covid's or? on that list influenza still on that list um and that's like the influenza is a yearly shot right that is recommended what every october november december ish kind of starts around probably i mean maybe even some immunizations have come out in in august it really kind of starts with school gotcha uh, man and and so that's when we start immunizing people and it lasts really through through the spring and and that has become an annual um immunization and that's due to the the, the rate at which the influenza virus uh, rep, uh mutates and so it creates its own versions of itself that are then need to be targeted again with a different vaccine that more closely resembles who they are now, not sure. who they were last year. And it seems like COVID might be kind of the same. Okay. So it like COVID's going to be with us for a while. It's going to continue to mutate. Is that what's happening with COVID? Like with the, yeah, when, when you hear about all these variants, that's, those are all going to be mutations, the Delta variant, um, Omicron, and Omicron and, and others. And so, and there will be more, but probably not, they probably won't develop at the rate that they had initially because there aren't as many infections that there were. And when the virus runs rampant, that's when it gets an opportunity to change. Whereas if you can suppress the virus by, for instance, giving everyone a vaccine, then the virus really doesn't get a chance to mutate so rapidly, or, or sorry, replicate so rapidly. And then with that rapid replication, create mutations. Mutations, okay. That create a new version. And real quick, back to the flu shot, um, and you saying you usually begin recommendations when kids go back to school, and just it's probably goes without saying, but I'm going to ask that question anyways. Is is the reason why is because these kids are starting to become in contact with each other again, and that gives more opportunity for spread? Is that why you you recommend then? Basically, yeah. Um, it, I mean, the reason we recommend it then is because that's when flu gets bad. Um, the reason it gets bad is probably a, a collection of variables, but one of the most powerful and potent variables is is little kids congregating in large groups nice. um, and touching themselves and other things and people and and, and spreading <laughs> spreading all the good germs. Playing on a playground. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. O- opening a door. Natural kids um, stuff. Yeah. So... Yeah. Okay. And so, so vaccines, I like how you put it at the beginning was vaccines in and of themselves are very preventive. Mm. They are literally there to prevent you from getting a disease or an illness. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I, one thing I also wanted to say about vaccines and as it's a way I've been kind of phrasing it for people to understand is Vaccines are really like practice for your immune system. If you were playing in a band and you wanted to kill on Saturday night at your show. On my solo, on my guitar solo. Yeah, on your guitar solo. You'd want to be practicing that week. That solo Um, over and over. You'd probably want to be practicing over and over that day so you could be perfect at your job and what you're intending to do. 
We want the same thing for our immune system. We want our immune system to be practiced. There was a sh- there was a movie a long time ago, and I don't remember what it was called, but it had John Travolta, and it was about a boy who was immune compromised, and he had to spend his life in a bubble. Um, yeah, I think it might have been called Bubble Boy. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and as soon as he left the bubble it was essentially a death sentence because he didn't his, his immune system had never been exposed mm. to the world and so any little thing might cause a massive infection in his in him because his immune system had never spent any time practicing fighting gotcha. it would be like having an army of soldiers that had never gone to battle but if you give a vaccine that's like giving your army of soldiers a mock I don't battle? know. A mock battle. Fake dummies to kill. Okay. Um, and even though the dummies are stuffed um, and they can't fight back and they don't cause any problems, still it's practice. still practice. And that practice then comes into play when you actually get a real infection and your immune system, the soldiers that fight and protect against your, you know, any invaders that are going to cause a problem are going to be that much more sharp. Awesome. Um, and then... Sorry, I was going to go with that, but did you have another question here? Yeah, well, I was just going to say that, you know, we touched on we touched on screenings and we touched on immunizations or vaccinations, which could be, you know, adult or children, right? Um, depending on what what arena you're working in, you might have to get like a hep hepatitis vaccination, sure, right? Sure. Um, but then and then the screenings we talked about a number of things. Uh, breast cancer, those types of things, but then also depression and anxiety mm-hmm. screenings. Um, uh, what about like, is this preventive? Like I smoke and I go to you and I'm having my appointment and maybe you're saying, you know, that's something that's in the paperwork, right? Do you smoke? And I write, yes. Is that something that you're going to talk to me about and try to, get me to stop doing or explain maybe how it could be detrimental to my health. Like, I guess where I'm going with this is like, do you do like any counseling on stuff like that? Is that preventive? Yeah. Yep. Um, it depends on what you're trying to prevent. So if you're counseling someone on smoking, you're really trying to prevent all the, all the problems that you know smoking can cause things like lung cancer, things like lung disease, like COPD, asthma, um, chronic bronchitis, uh, et cetera. Um, really what you might even take it a step further is seeing how you could prevent people from smoking. That's, that's the only reason I hesitate to answer that question because what I'd rather do is I would rather be able to prevent that person from smoking. So then I can prevent even more problems rather than just preventing the problems related to that smoking. So in a way in my mind, that's still kind of care of a chronic condition, which would be chronic, um, you know, nicotine dependence or, 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 or cigarette smoking. And, um, but yeah, uh, very much, very much something that we do in the primary care world. Uh, but but again, like like I said, sometimes it's just really refreshing to have someone come in and say, "Hey, I'm otherwise healthy. I don't have any problems. I don't have any bad habits. I don't need anything that needs fixing. How can I stay this way?" That see, that's where I was going to go next. Okay, so like, what what do you say to somebody who comes in and that's that's it? That's what they've asked you. Well, if it were kosher, I'd 
uh, you know, and, and, and PC, I might kiss them on the mouth, <laughs> but uh, I haven't done that yet. Not to That might you. be unhealthy too, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Give them a hug at least or a pound. Oh, like, hey, good job. I mean, job. it's such a relief when someone comes in saying that. It, it, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, it makes my job pretty easy because then I just get to start guiding them and giving them good advice on how to keep living well. Um what do you say? And, and it's such a cliche. It's such, okay. a, such a cliche too, but an ounce of prevention. Is better than a pound of cure? Is Thanks, that it? Thank you. Yeah, everyone, okay. yeah I, I think everyone should know that yeah. one. And, uh, and it takes a pound of effort to try to cure someone where it just takes a little ounce to try to keep someone from getting sick. And if you only had an ounce to give or a pound to give, might be better served on those 16 people that make the pound. Sure. You can sure. spread that around a lot more and you can you can it can promote access to prevention a lot easier than you can prevent or provide access to to a cure. The problem is that we're fighting against all the time is that like I said earlier prevention really has to be something you're you're thinking about. You have to be engaged about because there's no symptoms that lead a preventative situation to the you know person for prevention in the clinic we're talking about proactivity versus reactivity right right and even if you're a proactive i mean regardless of like your personal characteristics or 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 lack thereof we still live in a very busy hustling society that that makes us want to be doing other things rather than taking care of things that we don't have a problem we got enough problems we also we just want to deal with problems but yeah. Yes, it, it, it's very refreshing when someone comes in and says, hey, I don't have any problems. I want to keep it that way. Sure. So do you, I mean, do you counsel people on how to maybe eat healthy or um, is exercise something that you push? Physical activity, is that something that is, uh, I'm already healthy. I want to stay healthy. Is that something that you would say? To oh, if somebody? I could develop uh, a, a patient panel that that's all they wanted to talk about all day, every day, is I, I, I would. Okay. Um, it is my favorite thing to do, um, to talk about sleep? the lifestyle things that keep us healthy. Right. You put a huge emphasis on sleep, I know. And since you've done that, I've become a lot more aware of my own sleep habits awesome. and like, hey, you know, do I need to, uh, do I need to, think about you know going to bed earlier tonight because i have to get up earlier that sort of thing oh, right well thanks for bringing this up um because really so far we've talked only about what preventative services my organization can offer you right but there is a wealth of preventative services in the world that we can go and get ourselves okay um and and, and and do just as much good as, as the mammograms and the colonoscopies, probably more good by, like you said, getting the right amount of sleep, drinking a lot of water, eating good, healthy, nutritious, balanced food, managing your stress. Mm. And honestly, not too many more things than that. Awesome. That's pretty <laughs> simple, right? Why it is it so stinking hard for us to do those things? Oh. <laughs> It's that's fun. a whole nother podcast. That's a whole it? nother podcast. <laughs> cool, man. So one of my other questions that I had here that we don't need to touch on, because I honestly, I think we already have, but I just wanted to reiterate this was what are the benefits, right? And I think we've talked about that. Can you just reiterate real quick 
maybe. Uh, what are some of these benefits uh, of preventive care? No, it's a it's a it's a good question. I and a summary would be nice. I mean, obviously, the, the what I'm saying is is I like when people come in telling me they already feel good. So the benefit of this is that we try to make it so you can continue to feel good. Or if you're going to develop a problem like a cancer, we can we can find it early and we can get rid of it before it starts to cause problems in other parts of your body. Um, before it spreads, in other words, right? Exactly. Yeah. Some people, in addition to feeling, continuing to feel good because they're doing pri- uh, primary preventative care, um, if they have like a family history or something they're worried about, something, you know, maybe their, bl- their family has, they have a family member with high blood pressure or diabetes or cervical cancer or breast cancer or any of the stuff that we've been talking about, can get peace of mind and that contributes to your feel good too sure um is just by having the peace of mind knowing that you don't currently have this thing and and then and and you might be able to wait you know five ten you know whatever years until you can go back and get more reassurance um i will also say that it allows for more frequent contact with me and the patient Okay. And I think you mentioned that in a conversation that we had earlier. Um, but if someone's coming in for their prime, their preventative care, even though they don't have symptoms, there's it, it means it's another reason that they come and see me. And then we can talk about other things in their life, it, which hopefully, yes, are preventative, um, yeah. but sometimes are curative um, and secondary to a problem that they already have. Gotcha. But I think haven't when when they when when. Scientists research what really, what what variables make us healthy and have good long-term health care outcomes. One of the number one things that influences that is continuity of care with and relationship with your primary care provider. And so again, if you're a healthy person and you're trying to stay healthy and you're con- con- continuing to have that continuity of care with your provider, you're really setting yourself up for, for the best overall outcome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been watching this show i'm not fully through it yet but i think i've watched three episodes so far it's called limitless with chris hemsworth chris hemsworth um it's a national geographic show it's really good it like his whole purpose of making this show well he's on a journey right and the journey is to stay as healthy as possible as he ages as he gets older. So it's a really good example of what we're talking about today. And so what he's doing in the show is trying to sort of push his body to certain limits so that he can overcome certain things. Uh, the first one was about him doing like a, a walk on a crane a million miles above the earth, right? You know, on some huge tall building. And, and what he's trying to overcome in his own self at that point is his, his stress, his fear mm-hmm. of heights and and so then like it goes on and he goes into you know really cold water really hot water and these temperature uh, differences and and how that can be a benefit to the body as well so it's really interesting and it just i just thought of it as we were talking about this because his goal is to stay as healthy as possible as he ages And I think that's kind of what we're talking about, right? We want to stay as healthy as possible. We want to prevent illness, uh, but we also want to be proactive in the way that we're um, uh, thinking about our health. And look, I'd love to see my grandkids, but I got to be alive to do that, right? And in order to do that, 
I got to take care of myself. Right. And this is a piece. Having an incentive. Yeah, this is a piece of that. Am I correct, Dr. Hansen? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And 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 that story is great. And, and also what you told, tell me is it the, that gentleman has a certain level of introspection. He's finding identifying problems with himself, and he's working on those things. What I'll say a little bit about that shows like that is sometimes it gives a false impression about what's required to achieve optimal health. Sure. Sure. And I don't think my patients need to walk on a, you know, (laughs) skyscraper or even have access to a skyscraper to overcome some of these things. I think that going back to those basics, like what I said, sleep, hydration, nutrition, low stress, it can be as simple as that without, you know, doing extreme things either. Combining those with with a relationship with your provider who who is is practicing up to date screening methods, um, really is a is a s- strong strategy for success. And who's familiar with all of the latest healthcare acronyms, huh? U S P S T F. Yeah, takes me forever every time. No, that's good. Hey, man, what a great conversation. Thank you always, so much always. for coming in and doing this. I really hope it's a benefit to our listeners. So I think we're done. You have anything else you want to say? No, thanks for having me. Awesome. I look forward to doing it again. Thanks all. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let me know if you did. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>